Welcome to Crypto Art, the show that decodes the world of art created for a new age and traded on the bleeding edge. So this, this like, this episode, I like the the titles that you uh, that you proposed. Um, there was one in particular that like, oh yeah, non fungible hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We should we should go with that. I I don't know. That's my vote anyway. Yeah. What, what do you think? I'm good with any of them. I was just kind of like put down everything I can think of, and I I do like that <laughs> one. Though so I don't know exactly if our takes are going to be like that hot, but I don't yeah. also don't really care. <laughs> there's no there's no authority right now. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just in, imbue ourselves with our own authority, uh, like like true true internet people um and just take ownership of that in some ways like we don't know what the fuck we're talking about in other ways we probably do because i think we're both able to research things we're able to look at things critically um and i don't know it feels like there's like two camps in the crypto art world so i don't know what from from your from your research lizzie uh, what what do you think like what do you think those two camps are like what is this what does this space look like from like the highest uh like ten thousand feet up um like inside like people who are actually involved in crypto stuff or like people involved in crypto and then like the speculators about what it is because that's kind of, i guess those are the two camps that i've noticed the most mm-hmm. and then like camps inside of those camps yeah yeah exactly yeah. um well there's like the there's like cyberpunk stuff that's part of like ethereum and this whole like decentralized world of economics that's trying to disrupt like everything under the sun but then there's kind of this this new world within that, like the the art community is kind of finding value through this this new platform, this new technology. And um of course, right, there's like there's people who are like, this is gonna change the world. It's super valuable. Everything will be this. And then there's other people who are like, this is a scam. This is gonna ruin everything. And like I don't even like cats. Like, why are you selling pictures of them? Well, I already don't care about those people's opinions. They don't <laughs> like cats. Cats are the best. Um, yeah, I guess it is weird because, well, from like the, I guess this is on both sides of it, but there's a lot of people who think that like people in NFTs or crypto art are like just there to make money and there's no real artists in it there's no real art collectors and then there's the other side whenever people are saying that other people show up like well i'm a real artist and people buy my art like it's not the you know 69 million dollar like people sale which good for him but like they're like you wouldn't read about the smaller people in the news but then when people see those things in the news they think oh well that's like it and it's a scam because who would buy an NFT for $69 million. But I'm like, who would buy anything for $69 million? Yeah. Exactly. And then that comes back to, well, that's what 
art in the real world is a question of anyway, right? Like is, is like, is the Mona Lisa or something like that, like really worth that? Uh, is the canvas that it's on worth that? Is the paint it's worth that? Or, you know, it's, it's similar to, to cryptocurrencies in that it's just, or, or the dollar or anything else like, like these, these classical paintings um, and artworks like humans are meaning making machines. We, we place value in, in gold because it's like, shiny and you know there's some there's some economic value to it right there's like gold components on microchips and things like that there are like actual applications for it but its value is not tied to that at all and i i think the same is true for for physical art and you know and or crypto art yeah i now that you say it i do not understand why gold is what it is Someone out there probably does, and then they can have a gold podcast about mm-hmm. gold. Or we can make NFT gold. Ooh. I don't know. I like that. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah. And <laughs> like to zoom to zoom out a little bit, like this we should probably this being episode one, we should probably establish what uh what we're talking about here, right? Like cr- crypto art and more specifically an NFT or a, a non-fungible token. Like let's try our best to put a, put a definition to that. Like what, f- how about we each, we each kind of, uh, we each contribute what we think, uh, what we've learned in our research. Like what do you think uh, an NFT is Lizzie? Okay. So an NFT and Part of what I still am confused or not exactly confused on, but there's like NFT art, which is what we're talking about. But then like anything can be an NFT except for real money. Because whenever when I was researching this, everyone starts it with like, oh, well, NFT stands for non-fungible token. And a fungible token is like a dollar like or like a ten dollar bill. You can give someone a ten and they could give you back two fives and it's the same value. But non-fungible tokens are things that we all already own. Like, Mm -hmm. in my room right now, I have a water bottle and a microphone I'm speaking into. And, like, I can't go to the store and be like, I need some bread. Um, Cashier, here's a microphone. Can I trade it for, like, (laughs) a ton of bread? Like, that's why it's non-fungible, because it's not an exact transfer. But, um, But, like, money is the fungible part. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where like this term fungible, right? It's fun to say like fun, fun, fungible. Um, It's, it's fun to say. And it's, it's like really this, it's a term from economics. Like, so that's where it's so interesting to me that like people are kind of throwing around this language. It's like, you know, that would be like people on the news talking about like a recursive function or something like that from, from programming or, or whatever, like, it's like a pretty deep word with like a very specific meaning. And then then you have like internet people just throwing around this term nowadays. So it's like, that's what I found is, is that it's like, is something can be divisible, right? Like, um, like if I, if, if I have a dollar, I can, I can split that into, you know, four quarters, right. To, to your point. Um, 
So then what is non-fungible is like, yeah, like, like, like a unique piece of art in this case, um, or a plot of land that you have like the, the deed to. And this is, I think to your other point, right? Like that, um, this isn't just something that's specific to art. It, it can be any kind of, any kind of asset like physical or digital. Um, and I, I do, I do appreciate that you drew the line with like, it's not money because that that's, that's kind of the, that's another camp of the crypto world that we're not necessarily diving into in this podcast. And also like, I think maybe it would be fun in the future to explore like non art NFTs. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of, cool stuff there right like um, yeah but but i i've i essentially landed on this de- this is a hard question to answer obviously right we're talking about it for a few minutes and i still probably think there's elements of it that uh that are that are hard to kind of put into words um but i i think the easiest way for me to kind of wrap my brain around it is like it's it's a certificate of authenticity it's just like yeah this this is something that is authentic it's it is the one that exists any copies of it aren't really cop you know aren't really the valuable they aren't the thing right like so it's really this is the one thing and somebody owns it and therefore somebody created it and that person says this is authentic (laughs) so we do that in real life right we have things that we have like uh, autographed you know. items or limited edition, special edition, like anything mm-hmm. could be the like first edition books. How old is that? Mm-hmm. I don't know the number, but really old. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but that's where I think it gets confusing with NFTs because people talk about them as if the NFT is the art itself, especially when it goes yeah. back to what I said earlier and like what an actual non-function non-fungible token is in the real world is like, it is the item, but when it's um, crypto art and like crypto art world of NFTs, it's the certificate attached to the item and not the item itself, which from what yeah. I understand it is because it would be too expensive to make the art itself into the NFT. Um, mm. Still exploring that. But I think that that's because people have like, well, this side note might be getting too like into the weeds for this, but like people have been like, oh, well, why isn't the art itself an NFT? And then I've seen people say, sure, if you want to spend like thousands of dollars in gas to make that art into an NFT, mm. this is like the in like a realm where there's already environmental issues and like energy issues. This is like the solution right now is the certificate that is connected to the art, but it's not the NFT isn't the art itself in this case. Mm. Yeah. That was something that was, uh, difficult for me to kind of, uh, understand as well. Like it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like having a, like an autograph basketball from Michael Jordan and that basketball is the thing that holds the value. But then there's this certificate of authenticity, right. That goes along with it. That like says, when it was signed and some sort of like 
additional information that is like traceable uh, back to if somebody wanted to like research and uh, reestablish the value, they could do that, right? So, like on the show, uh, the on the show Pawn Stars, right? Like they're often like, oh, well, I have the certificate of authenticity yeah. that goes along with this valuable item, and this says that this Super Bowl ring was like actually given to this athlete at this time and this year. And because of all these supplemental facts, we can establish that that is true. And this is the one thing. Yeah. Which is leads to like another issue with NFTs is that people question like, well, like when looking at the like code of the NFT and like makeup of it, there's a link Mm -hmm. in some cases, there's a link to the art In other cases, there's a different system used to connect them. But like, what happens if that link is broken? And some people think that, oh, well, then it's worthless because you can't connect it to the art. And other people think that like, I mean, it's too soon to tell, but like, is the certificate itself, even if the link is broken, a way to still show it's connected to the art? Or as Mm. this evolves, will that, will there be a solution for that where, like discussing the link is kind of irrelevant because Mm -hmm. that could be fixed in the future. But that's one of the things where it's like, yeah, you know how like 10 years from now, what if something happens and like, how can you still prove that your certificate matches like this JPEG or this video or something like that? Yeah. And there's a, you know, we'll continue to research this, but it's a big topic. So um, like uh, the distributed file system, like people can put that on there and then that like that hash from that JPEG being stored in the distributed file system is like representative of the pixels in that or yeah, it, it, it can get to be its own rabbit hole. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a future episode on its own. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that's what ties into like the differences between all the different hosting platforms. And then there's some people who say like, you shouldn't make an NFT unless you can like code it yourself and fully understand what you're getting into. And like, I don't know if that's really my take necessarily, but definitely like understanding the system you're using before making it, because you might think it's one thing and then you find out that it's, it's not as decentralized as you thought because like middlemen is where the link is the weakest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. I hadn't come across that and the, um, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm um, to continue kind of backing up here. Like we uh, we're going to explore a lot of things in this show. Like you've touched on a few of them just now with like, what is that process for like how do okay i have this piece of artwork right i'm a digital artist uh let's say i have i have procreate on my ipad i have a i have an apple gen 2 pencil i can i can make art right um you're uh you're an artist i'm an artist like now what right like we have these pieces of art how does that artwork become an nft uh you mentioned this this term minting um, and that's really the process of getting that artwork onto the Ethereum blockchain as an NFT that we can then verify ownership uh, as the creator, as like the, the initiator of that, uh, that ownership. And then thereafter, any transactions, like then once it's an NFT, I can then trade it or se- like sell it to you. 
Um, and there's a let because this is rooted in Ethereum and therefore blockchain technology, like there's a, a ledger, there's a transaction history back to the the minting, the the originator, um, all the way through time into the future. Right. And yeah. this is one of the coolest aspects like that I that I think we'll see over time is like we can't do that with lots of classical art, right? Like the the ownership, uh the the stories that are baked into that. Um Right, like, uh, what's that movie? I think the the red the red violin. Right, that's essentially like a movie about this like handcrafted violin and how it's gone through all these different owners through time. And there's like this curse associated with it in that case to tell a great story. But um, this is something new for art, right? That uh, that hasn't necessarily existed before. So, what do you think about that as an artist? Like this being kind of a new a new property uh, of your artwork, like you sell art, right? So like, what if you could trace that ownership over time? That would be really cool. Um, I already really like, I sell painted pots on Etsy and it's already really fun to like see who buys it and like what place they live in and kind of like, as I'm sending it out into the world, be like, ah, like you're going to Virginia or you're going to Pennsylvania (laughs) and like kind of, it's just so different than where I am. Um, that it's cool to even just think about like one person having my art, but to be able to trace like as a maker, to be able to trace all the hands that passes through, but then also as a consumer, which it's kind of hard to tell at this point in time because it's so new, but like 10 years from now you could have an NFT that was owned by like an artist that you really admire or I mean, some people, celebrities even, or uh, athletes, like there's so many different possibilities and that's part of the appeal of it too, is to be like this. I'm like part of their history now and like part of the items history. Yeah. And that's not something uh, we don't even know how that'll necessarily affect art over time. Right. But this is a new what we do know is this is kind of a a new property that NFTs are kind of adding to the art market, the art equation um, and is kind of unique to to crypto art. So I would say kind of one of the advantages, like that's one of the questions that came up in the research, like, why not just sell your art? Like, why do you need to token? Why do you need to mint it and tokenize it and like go through that whole process, like pay for the Ethereum gas fees to do so. Um, like that's some tech hoops to jump through, right. To even get to say, okay, I'm the creator, I'm the owner of this. And then, you know, one of the answers to that question is that you're kind of opting into this history, this transaction history. You're also gaining access to a whole new marketplace of, being able to transact right buy and sell artwork like um platforms that you mentioned etsy uh with with your artwork that's that's another platform that creators use to sell and buy artwork um and there's a lot of good that comes from that but this is kind of a new piece on the board right like didn't necessarily exist before in a new marketplace for art buyers and sellers and collectors and and artists to to kind of have um that space to auction or or sell or collect um 
And I think that's kind of meaningful as well, right? That like, that's an innovation in the art space that wasn't there before. So how do you think about that? Like as, as an artist, would you, would you do this? Um, I, you know, would you tokenize and all that stuff? Yeah, I want to, my biggest concern right now is the environmental factor. And I think that's part of why we're doing this podcast is to learn more about it before like getting super deep into it. Cause that's another thing through research I've seen are like other artists saying like, Oh yeah, I just like jumped into this and like, didn't fully realize the implications. And now like I regret it a little bit or, Mm. um, and it's not even to say that like they wouldn't, do it again if they had the choice it's just like that whole you know just knowing what you're doing because everything we do Mm -hmm. has a cost and to some people like those costs are acceptable and to other people it's not and it just kind of depends on like where you stand but I mean I also some people don't believe that the environmental issue with NFTs will be solved um I think that it's way too soon to say because these have only existed for a few years um Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's a lot of new people in the space, uh, people smarter than I am that are do want to see these changes. That's the cool thing about the whole the whole blockchain space um, is that this is just kind of chapter one, right? Like w- we don't necessarily know what chapter five is going to look like, you know. And there are people, just even the fact that we're calling these issues out. They are something that, you know, the creators of these technologies like um, like the Ethereum Foundation and, uh, you know, Vitalik Buterin and whatever that that whole scene. Um, it's part of the conversation, you know, so I think that that's a pretty good indicator that like, OK, if if we're talking about how to make these processes more efficient and therefore less impact on the on the environment. I think that's a pretty good sign that they're taking it seriously and and improvements can be made. I um while researching this and and just kind of the whole crypto space uh in general, I found a number of things. I found you know they're they're saying that with this next generation of improvements to to Ethereum that that'll have improvements for the environment. Okay, that's a claim, you know, we'll see. Um we'll see. But then there are other uh, there are other platforms that are coming to life that um, that do a lot of what Ethereum does, but um, have already solved a lot of these problems. So the the one that stood out to me as kind of a for a number of reasons, like as a computer scientist, as a crypto art enthusiast, and kind of somebody who's interested in this space, like the one that stood out to me was this. It's, you know, it's, it's called Algorand. Uh, it's a weird name, uh, granted. And it's like created by some super nerds, like some cryptographers that have won like the Turing Award and like um, really credible people. Um, and their uh, their platform seems to already have solved a lot of the, the challenges with scalability, um, decentralization, uh, more, more decentralization that Ethereum's kind of like, yeah, we're working on it. You know, this is taking time and it's a big system and there's a lot of people that depend on it already. So it's hard, it's hard to make improvements. Like think of it, like if, 
if Ethereum were like a boat on the ocean, imagine like rebuilding the boat as you're on the ocean without ever sinking. You know, that that's a hard problem on its own. Uh, so respect to them for for taking ownership of some of these challenges. We'll see how how much they can move the needle. But I think it's, you know, the fact that we're talking about it is a good sign and it can be measured and therefore optimized. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing I've come across in research is like, you know, people will talk about like Ethereum 2.0 and how like that will be better than current Ethereum. And then people are skeptical of that because that's been being said for years and it's not here yet. Yeah. But then there's the whole idea that like, well, this like NFTs don't have to be Ethereum based. No. Like you were saying, like this is still just totally evolving. Like Ethereum could be like MySpace and whatever's mm-hmm. next is Facebook, which maybe not the best example given Facebook's <laughs> impact today, but it's a still. good one. I agree. <laughs> And that's what that's what Algorand seems like to me. And and there's like, you know, 15 others that you could say, you know, maybe the answer here. But the the good thing is, is that one of them will probably make an improvement. And maybe that's what solves this going forward. Thank you very much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at crypto art underscore show and subscribe and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been Crypto Art, a podcast hosted by Elizabeth Brozak and Zachariah Moreno with original music and production by Sean Baez.